Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Alyssa Black and she is a stylist. Um, And she's best known for Caprice Bianca. And you guys are going to be like, what? But we're going to delve into that and um, we're going to find out exactly what that is. Um, So welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So uh, I just want to dive right in. Where were you born? I'm actually from Toronto. Um, All through like high school, I had this thing like I also wanted to go to the US. I felt like there were so many more opportunities there. So... I've always been into fashion and I always look to fashion, like European fashion, as well as what's going on in the US with celebrities and stuff. And um, I finally ended up moving there, but not till 2001. And I lived in the US for 10 years. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I ended up going back to school there because I wanted to get my work visa because it's impossible to get it any other way. So I went to school. I went in Florida. Hold on. I'm going to stop you right now. So you were born in Toronto, right? Born in Toronto. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, like... That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to take it like chronologically because sure. then it like, you know. Um, so you were born in Toronto and did you grow at like wh- what area? I was born and grew up in North York like pretty much my whole life. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you did all schooling and like elementary, high school? Everything. Yes. Here um and then I did college here for fashion design oh nice okay um and like as a kid were you into fashion or did it sort of come like what were you like as a kid I was always into fashion I was a little bit like more tomboyish and I guess it kind of still shows a little bit in what I wear but I was into fashion but I think then like it wasn't like a hobby or a thing for me I was just like I like any dress like I thought everyone just likes you know trying different things for fashion so it's it's just always been there but not like consciously okay did you do like any sports or were you more of like an artsy kid growing up definitely not any sports I wasn't (laughs) on any like doing any extracurricular act after school activities or anything um no definitely more creative for sure like always like making stuff with my hands and like beading or whatever back then but just for fun always yeah did you make um did you make like beaded jewelry like did you ever have those kits that totally you could yeah jewelry. I even remember being in elementary school and they had like the safety pins with beads and you we used to hang oh, them oh yeah but I think they kind of came back so I used to remember doing that and hanging them off my shoes and stuff like I, it was in elementary school I don't know how old yeah that's hilarious um, I, I remember that too, totally. And you could get, the, you could buy those like beading sort of kits yeah. and, uh, like it would teach you how to make stuff. I don't know if they still have that. I, I feel like, I don't know. I buy stuff for my niece that I want to play with yeah. and make, right? <laughs> so it's like for your niece, yeah. but really. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay. So, and then, um, like what about high school? What, did you sort of start to feel like you knew what you wanted to do in high school or was that... Um, I think that then, like, I guess, because there was no internet back then, I'm 47, but so it was only, like, what everyone else was doing. I didn't know that there was, like, a school for artsy people or anything like that. I hated school. I didn't want to go to school. I wasn't interested in the academics. I went, but, like, I was kind of like, oh, let me hang out, or what am I going to wear? I was always into, like, planning what I'm going to wear the next day, but 
So that's just like I wasn't into school. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my thing. Same. Uh, so, so then you said you did end up going to college, right? Yeah, not right away. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, and everyone was going to university. I'm like, I'm not interested. I don't know if it's like if you're just supposed to do it. So that's good that you were able to a- ask that question at that young age because I think a lot of people just feel so pressured to directly go there because that's the next step. But for sure, so that's good for you. And were your parents? cool with that or were they trying to push you to go no. to university? <laughs> I feel like I think for me and probably for them too because they were used to everyone like that's just what you do but for me it was like I always just if I didn't want to do something I wasn't doing it I was just like I don't know what I want to do because again I didn't know there was like a creative outlet or whatever for schooling back then really mm-hmm. so yeah um so what did so sorry what did you end up going for to school um so I like was like doing other stuff I was like just working at jobs and stuff and then I found out about um International Academy of Design I don't even know if it's still called that here and I ended up going to school for fashion design so at that time did you think that you wanted to be a fashion designer Mm, I guess I wasn't sure I knew I wanted to do something in fashion it was like uh I believe like a two-year program and as I was doing it I realized I don't want to do fashion (laughs) design I'm not creative I I think as far as like creating something from scratch I'm better at like taking things and putting them together or re reworking them right right um so what did you say the school was called international academy of design and where was that it was young and wellesley I think it might oh yeah so it was here yeah Yeah. I've never heard of it so I don't know if it's still around the name possibly I don't know cool um, and did you find it to be like, I love asking people about fashion programs that they've attended, especially in the city, because I've gotten such mixed reviews. Like some of the younger designers that I've had on, they're like, yeah, it was, you know, okay or pretty good or whatever. But then a lot of times they're like, no, it was so irrelevant because how, like it wasn't hands-on enough. What did you find? Oh, ours was super hands-on. Oh, good. Do you watch Project Runway? Uh, like here, bits You've and pieces. You've seen it? Yeah. I'm Honestly, familiar. when I watch it, it gives me anxiety because that's kind of what the school felt like like there's deadlines and I think when you're doing anything creative if you're like okay I have two hours like you never know like, two hours could be like six hours you don't know yeah. so there was a lot of pressure for me and um but I think it actually was super helpful because it was so hands-on that it gave me the tools for everything else I've done amazing later yeah so um you said it was a tour program right mm-hmm and jur- and at what point were you like, this is not for me? Um, I think that there was the design program and then there was uh, marketing and merchandising. And we used to have some classes together. So when I started hearing about the marketing and merchandising side, I was like, I kind of maybe am more interested in that, but I'm already in the design, so I may as well finish. So I started questioning it when I started seeing what other programs or jobs, I guess, also, I kind of always wanted to be a stylist, but again, I didn't think it was something that was actually achievable. Possible. Yeah. Did you even know what a stylist was at that point? Like, because I feel like that is when you know. I always, I always sort of revert back to like kindergarten when teacher teachers are asking kids what they want to be when they grow up. If someone, if a kid says fashion, they're like, oh, a fashion designer. That's just like sure. the number one go to. Like when, meanwhile, there's a thousand different careers within the fashion industry right. that you can have. Mm-hmm. So, do you, like, when did you learn about styling or learn that it was even a possibility? I think probably. Probably around the time 
I went to school or when I was in school, I don't remember the exact moment, but I think I was like really into like, you know, the LA scene and what's going, not being there, but just watching it. I love that. Um, Like like the whole Hollywood thing. And I think at that time there was like a big designer, I mean, a stylist, Philip Locke. It was like in the 90s. So (laughs) I remember just, I'm like, oh my God, that's such a cool job. So I think sometime around the same time I started school. Okay. So did you, you finished your program you said or no? Yeah, I did. You did. Okay, cool. And then so you had like what, a diploma in fashion design? Yeah, so associate's degree. So at that time, they also didn't have a bachelor's program for fashion design here or fashion marketing. It was only two years. So I was like, I want to get my bachelor's of fine arts. So at that point, I was looking into the American schools because also I heard if you go to school in the U.S. and you graduate, you get one year visa to work there. So I was like, that was my oh, ultimate. That was is that true? Yeah, it's still. True. Yeah, it's called the OPT visa. Interesting. So you get it for a year, and then a lot of people get it, and then they get hired by Whoever the company. Yeah. yeah. So. I was like, I'm going to go to school for the U.S. I'm just going to get the visa and then I'll find a job somewhere in the U.S. So I ended up going to Florida. And And, why Florida? Well, at that time, the only two other, the two schools that were available were Florida and Chicago. And I'm like, "Mm." it's cold in Chicago. It's cold here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I knew that was going to be your reason. I was like, it's like Toronto. It's cold. It's close. Florida was actually, yeah, the weather. I've been going to Florida my whole life. And honestly that it was like it's a lot less expensive yeah. to live there right way less so it was tampa though so i was like oh my god whatever tampa's cool but i was like i'm used to going to miami i've been going there my whole life and i was like i'm just gonna go for the year and a half and plus it's not a very far drive to miami no tampa. it's three and a half hours yeah <laughs> cool so you do your two-year program and then oh yeah and then you applied what was the school called it was the same school international academy today oh but they had like i guess international so i guess yeah. throughout through like through the school you could apply or um honestly i, don't need, I feel like i did it independently but they work together like they're definitely affiliated i think all my credits transferred i think it was like in like two yeah a while ago ago. (laughs) no worries no worries i just like to ask because in case people are like listening and want to explore that option because there's so much information out there that um it's like you don't know exactly how to do it or what to do like i didn't even know you got a a year's work visa after you graduated right um, so, and I think you kind of set, touched on this already, but you wanted to go to the U.S. just because you felt like the opportunities were 100%. way more, which I would agree. And like, I kind of still think that, or maybe you'll, you'll tell me otherwise, but, um, so, okay. So then you lived there for a while and how long was that program? So I think it was actually eight. Yeah. I think it was 18 months of program. And I was like, Tampa's so like, it's so like, there's nothing to do it's here. Quiet. It's, quiet. it's definitely I'm quiet. Like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm definitely leaving. <laughs> Especially going from Toronto. Yeah. It's like a different lifestyle. And, um, at the end of my program, I think it was like my last semester, last course. I meet a girl there who I, she just started, I think, or she transferred from somewhere and we were talking. I'm like, there's no good shopping here. We should open a store. And we started joking about it. Oh. So we're like, okay. And then we're both into fashion. And at that time, again, it was like 2001, 2002. So it was a little more conservative. The internet was just like kind of starting. So You certainly couldn't shop online at mm-hmm. that time. So we were very like, again, the LA, New York influence where Tampa's very... Lily Suburban. Pulitzer, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very. And where was she from? L.A. She, 
She lived all over. She was from, Flo- like, mostly lived in Florida. Okay. Yeah, her life, her whole life, so. So then did you guys Okay, so the then <laughs> So then we started, like, looking into it. We're like, we don't know anything. I'm like, my background. Oh, sorry, when I went to school, I was I switched to merchandising and marketing. For your Tampa course. Yeah. Okay. So I had to finish some design courses just to get my degree and um, finish whatever. So we started looking at locations. Like, we're like, we don't know. They don't teach you how to yeah. open a store. So we just started looking. We tried in the mall. And then the malls had, like, really strict rules and everything. And then we found, um, like, a small retail at the bottom of, a like, a big condo complex. So. Oh. We happen to get it quickly, and then so hold on. You need to take me that because I feel like this story is to- told so often. It's like, yeah, we, you know, we did some research, and then we we opened the store. Like, right. there's, <laughs> I know that there's so much more involved in that. So first of all, how, like, what was your first step in in that doing that? So I think, like, did you like you said you wanted to look for locations, right? But well, like, okay, so I think we were talking to someone who was helping us like with like as an advisor so we had to build their business plan which also was something they don't teach you we're like how do you build a business plan and how do you do these projections for the next five years i'm like i don't know anything about here and again researching back then wasn't like as easy go on the computer yeah so we had to do our business plan and then from there we had to see like what kind of budget we are expecting to you know to put out as well as like buying for the store like you know it's a lot we how much of an investment we were we wanted to make and the risk we were willing to take at the time so that's how we kind of based like uh, the location we chose because it was a lot less than the mall yeah and then and did did you have to get any like grants or loans or anything like that no we started off with like i had some savings she had some savings we borrowed a little bit from a family member of hers for merchandise in the beginning we didn't want we kind of wanted to go slowly we didn't want to make like a huge investment like i said because it's it's scary we don't know what we're doing and everything you think you know you don't yeah you're figuring it out along the way so like it wasn't no matter what you planned like you couldn't almost right totally So, um, how did you get linked up with this advisor? It was someone she knew through a family member. Okay. And were you, I'm curious, like being Canadian, were you, um, like still within your one year after graduating? Okay. Yeah. Cause owning a business is a very different story. <laughs> She's shaking her head. <laughs> Are you able to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, Cause I, I think that holds a lot of people back from going to the States. Like I have a lot. <laughs> Just issues with cross-border things. Stop. Oh, my God. Still. Um, so, yeah, the visa that you get for, like, through graduation no longer applies because I'm not working for, for a, company. a company. Yeah. So I don't even remember, like, exactly, like, the chain of events. I knew that I needed a visa. I needed a visa if I could get one. And I talked to an immigration lawyer and... And he filled out the paperwork, and she had to sponsor me, right? Right. Because right. she's the American. I don't remember exactly, but it was like um, she was sponsoring me, and I got denied. Oh shit! And it was because he made a mistake. No. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god! So he appealed. Do you know what it. the mistake was? No, I don't even remember. You didn't know. Okay. I mean, I did at the time. I can't, remember. can't remember. It was yeah. like something stupid. Like maybe he put. About her, something about her um, sponsoring me, or I don't remember. Okay, something stupid. Um, 
So I appealed it, and I got denied again. So oh, fuck. during this process, I can't leave the U.S. Cause I'm Why? scared to cross the border. Oh, and then get red flagged, and then... Because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to cross during the like the whole process of them filling out um trying to obtain your visa you're not supposed to be crossing oh and then yeah again if i got stopped i'm like my whole life right now is in florida right 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 because i think that's also a little bit of a unique situation too because i feel like most people or most canadians would get their visa first then they go sure you were already there and like working back (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm not leaving so so you're kind of like just hanging out there until so I talked to some other lawyers. Basically, it's kind of, there's a lot of, like, gray areas for sure with the visa situation. But Especially, I think, in Florida, too. Like, I feel like they're a little oh my more God. lax. Or well, maybe they, not. Yeah, they always say the biggest transplant in Florida is Canadians. Like, the oh. import. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the biggest <laughs> import, sorry, is Canadians. That's so funny. Um, yeah, so it was... I never actually got my visa. I was in Florida for five years. I didn't have my visa. Holy shit. So it just kept on getting, like, you kept on appealing it, and then no. it kept on getting denied? I just I just stopped after the second denial. I'm like, okay, like, I spent I'm all this sure money, and, like, it doesn't seem like this kind of visa is not going to work for me. I need some other kind of visa, um, which I wasn't even going to apply for at the time. Isn't it, like, an E1 or something like that? E2. E2. Okay. I got that later, which I'll talk okay, about. Okay, yeah, tell me later. Tell me. But um, basically, you're allowed to own a business in the U.S. You're just not allowed to be actively involved. And I was working We're, in the store. Like I was living person. in the store. I was doing everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, me and, and the, my partner. So... Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not leaving. Yeah, no, good yeah. for you. Um, okay, we will re-come re- re- back to that story <laughs> afterwards. Uh, but so you guys opened, and like, what was your plan for it? You are just going to be like a boutique, and you're curating your own things? Exactly. It was a boutique. It was none of our own designs. It was like a contemporary, um, I don't know, like at the time it was like Juicy Couture was yes, huge. Yes. So those kind of brands, Javiana's was huge at the time. Frankie B. Jeans. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, we would just go buy from New York, L.A., curate, like, we, a lot of our influence was based on, again, like, it was, like, Paris Hilton, yeah. and Nicole Richie, so kind of, like, those, what they were wearing at the time. Nice. So they were, like, the influencers. The yeah. Nice. Um, and so, and and you guys, like, did you see success right away, or, like, what sort of things did, did you, like, run into, I guess, like? Um... Everything, like I said, was a learning curve. It was, our opening was super fun. We had a great, like, grand opening. We knew a lot of people in the area was actually an island, but not, like, an island. Like, you just drive on. It's, like, a short, small little island, but it had a big community and following. Um, Yeah, and at our opening, she had a lot of L.A. connections because her brother lived in L.A., so we had, um, do you know, how come I can't think of the name? Like the butterfly song, come my lady, come. come oh, my lady. Um, Seth, what's his name? Oh shit, I'm blanking on that too now. And I loved that song, and I like totally know. Um, off no. Um, uh, it's making me crazy now. Oh my god, his me name too. is Seth, but that's not the name of the group. Yeah, it's two people, right? Yeah, there was a bunch of them, but like, um, I I want to say, um, I'm thinking like in the Lincoln Park. I know it's obviously not Lincoln Park, and I'm thinking like, um. Fort Minor, but it's not yeah. that either. Oh um, my God. Shit, gonna this is going to drive right me after. nuts. I'll have it. It will come to me after, too. Is it one word or two? I, uh, oh my God, so, I can't believe we can't remember. Yeah, I know. Of course, like right now, I'm drawing a complete blank. Yeah, and I can it'll totally, come to us. 
envision it all. So he did our opening. We did like oh, a stage. So it cool. was so fun. So that's we fun. Got, and that we, was a huge song. Oh, at that it was time. massive. That was massive. So we had a really. It was good for us because we were able to promote, and people were interested in seeing what's going on with that. So they learned about our store that way. So we had a really good following. It like we built it up, and it was more like having that intimate kind of experience when you go shopping rather than department store shopping. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you were like a success, I guess, then, right? Yeah. And, and like where you can, like, I guess sort of take me through like the evolution of the store, if, if you can. So I think also I'm like willing to push limits where Tampa was very conservative. So we learned like what we like, everyone else doesn't like, or they're just not willing to wear that stuff. So we had to kind of change it a little bit and modify it to suit the clientele there and stuff so that for me was like what like people don't want to wear what I'm wearing yeah so we had everything like I said we had to figure out along the way we didn't know so we had to kind of change some of the things or like brands that you really really loved but you just weren't seeing um get picked up oh at the time honestly I can't even remember any I don't even know if any of them exist but I think a lot of my back then also because you're in Florida, it's there's no winter, yeah, really. So you're always. buying differently. Like, there's kind of no season. So it's not like you buy sweaters or jackets. So it kind of like stays. layering yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of our stuff, I think, was colorful, which a lot of people don't like wearing color either. So we had to switch it more to, like, a neutral palette. Um, like, I honestly, like I said, I can't remember. Like, we had Juicy and Frankie B jeans. Um Rebecca Beeson was big then. We did a lot of doggy stuff then because it was like a huge dog community too. But I don't think really any of the brands exist anymore. Okay. Except for Juicy. Yeah, Juicy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, okay, and then so what did you guys do? Like you said, it was five years. Like did you cl- end up closing down your store or what ended up happening? So what happened was we used to go buy in New York and L.A. And because my background's design, I always still had like this creative, like I want to be creative somehow and work, do something with my hands. So we'd go buy and I'm like, this isn't that, like we'd see things. I'm like, I could do this. This isn't like groundbreaking stuff. So I just Mm -hmm. was like started to want to develop my own line. I think our store kind of ran its course. We got in like... We would bicker a lot and gotten in a lot of squabbles. It's hard, obviously, having, like, a business partner and yeah. difference of opinions. Or if you're both doing the same job, that definitely doesn't yeah. work. You have to have, you know, completely different. Yeah, so that was, like, a big problem for us. And um, I was like, I'm going to move to L.A. I did meet a guy, though, first. <laughs> oh, okay, so wait. So you did you close down your... Um, store first or like tell me yeah so like um so we would go back and forth like like I said travel and I was kind of exploring that option and then I'm like I'm like this is like enough for me I'm ready to like go on to something else and she wanted the store so she ended up keeping the store and then I moved to LA oh nice and so did you meet a guy from Florida and then you both or he was from LA and you met him there so we met him in LA. Yeah, I met, okay. him. I met him in LA. It's kind of a funny story. We were there on a buying trip. We were with one of our girlfriends came with us from Florida. Just we would go and make like a few extra days of it just to have fun. And we're driving on like Sunset Boulevard. 
and we're at a light and my friend's really like outgoing and friendly and there's a guy beside us and like our windows are down and she says something to him and she's like we're going to Chateau Marmont for drinks why don't you come meet us I'm like oh my god (laughs) and then we go not thinking anything and he came and he came yeah Yeah, I don't I don't know too many guys that wouldn't uh, follow up with that (laughs) yeah a car full of girls like inviting them out yeah I think most guys I know would have (laughs) gone so yeah so he came and we met I had a boyfriend at the time in Florida but it wasn't like we weren't expecting anything it was just like my friend invited him and I think we like kind of talked and not really and we all exchanged numbers and we kept in contact after and then I broke up with my boyfriend and him and I got together and I moved to LA oh my god that's amazing yeah um and then so what did you like did you move to LA with any plans or were you gonna work on your line yeah I was gonna work on my line but then now this was like a whole other thing I needed to figure out because I knew the like wholesale side but I didn't know how how to design or like where do I go where do I start you didn't learn any of that in your program not really I don't want to say like I I, you don't know like where to like where to start like I wouldn't even know where do I go source yeah yeah see that's so frustrating because like I mean they probably can't teach like exact places to go but like they should have like I feel like they should at least include in the curriculum start here at look for these types of places like this is step one like that's so stupid that they don't I remember them teaching that. us about doing trade shows, but you don't really do trade shows unless you're selling like your own product for design. So that wasn't. I need to know how to start. Like, and how develop. do you get to a trade show? Like, right, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, you're only there if you have something to sell. <laughs> right. So that whole thing was like, I didn't even know. Like, I'm like, do I get a sample? Do I get drawing? Like, I don't know. What do I do? I don't like. I had to figure it out. Like, yeah. the, even the steps to get there. And so you did. You were just doing that in LA. So when I went there, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do again? No visa, I can't work anywhere. <laughs> I need to develop this line, but I need to like live. And um, I was just like, I'm just going to walk around and see if someone will hire me. So I go into this little, like no chain stores or anything, obviously, because yeah, yeah. I knew they wouldn't. But I go in this little boutique and I'm like, hi, I'm from Canada. Are you hiring? And she's like, yeah, what's like, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm like, blah 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 I'm like but I need cash yeah yeah she's like okay hey I'm like okay so it was a really cool thing like location it was across from the region Beverly Wilshire Hotel It, it was like right in the heart of like Beverly Hills like Rodeo right beside Rodeo Drive nice so I was working there while I was developing Developing. oh that is so amazing Mm -hmm. and good for you for just like going out there and and like figuring it out I feel like there's always something like I know a couple people that have done that have gone to the U.S. and just like figured it out later and like they end up with a cash job but it's still like a risk right you don't know like yeah so that's cool and so then how long did it take you and so then okay tell me about your designing like were you you started developing clothes no handbags (laughs) okay so that's yeah that's what I wanted to ask so you went to handbags right away like or or were you just thinking about what you would like um, I think the reason I wanted to do handbags is in school in Florida, we had to do like a, a leather project and, um, I was always interested in leather without really even realizing it. So I de- designed a handbag and I was like, I want to do handbags. Um, so I, I was like, I don't want to do clothing. I'm not, like I said, so innovative and like fashion forward. I'm like, I can't do what those designers are doing, but with handbags, I like mixing fabrics and colors so I'm like I'm gonna do handbags nice 
So, yeah. And so take me through that whole process. Like, what was your step one? So I, I had my drawings, like, so rough. And then I would just go in L.A. There's, like, a design area where you could buy all your materials pretty much in one area. Or, like, you go somewhere and then you ask them, where do mm-hmm. I go next? I knew someone that I worked with in the wholesale industry who had a showroom. So I kind of went to her for advice but she didn't know about where to source materials. She just knew once you have the product, then, then how to how to sell it, go about selling it. So I just, well, honestly, just have to like go around, figure it out myself, find the sourcing places. No one wants to share their information yeah. with you, especially then because it's like you're doing the legwork trying to get it and it's like, it's not easy. And I feel like at that time too, uh, it wasn't all over the place. Like now people I, I find are a little bit more like, chill about sharing their secrets because like really I could just go on YouTube and, and find sure. it but like you're Someone's just gonna, gonna save share. me some hours of searching right whereas like yeah back then like what they were doing could actually have been kept a secret yeah, so like yeah. they had like I don't know that's what I'm, I'm thinking anyway too yeah, it was it was exactly like that no one's telling you what to do or helping you or Ugh, like yeah so annoying <laughs> so annoying <laughs> yeah so that was another learning curve I had to figure out nice good for you though you you did it right mm-hmm. And then did you have, like, a, like a first bag? Did you have a first line? Like, um, I did, like, yeah, I did have a first bag that I wanted to develop. I just did, like, I liked oversized bags. I still love oversized bags. Um, so I wanted to do, like, this just oversized clutch. And I needed to get samples made. And then no one wants to give you, like, prioritize your work when you're getting one bag made. Mm-hmm. They're taking the job that's doing, like, a whole production run. So to get my sample took forever just to get one sample and I waited and waited and I had like a few made and it probably honestly took like three months to get that sample and I was like on his ass and I'm like again I didn't know where to go to no one's telling you go to this place person or this place to get samples made Mm -hmm. it was just like again trying to find it and he was the only one I could find at the time and where were you getting all your um like leather and stuff from just like those fabric stores so there's like was a leather specialty store in LA and it was a lot of they had a lot of Italian product they'd be they bring it in from Italy and they'd had um I think they bought a lot also of if designers had fabric like certain leathers um printed or dyed like Prada I remember in Miu Miu they'd buy I guess the overstock of it too so they had really interesting leathers. So it was like a specialty leather store. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did you open a store? Like how did you start selling your bags? So it actually kind of worked out really well because the boutique I was working at also oh. was like a contemporary boutique, not their brands. They had like, who do they have? Um, like Hudson Jeans and mm. Vince and again the Javianas and Rebecca Taylor. So she she let me put my bags in the wow. store so it was like perfect to kind of see how people reacted and I had like she had a window facing Wilshire so I she let me put it like in a wow yeah it was cool so I got to see if people were actually interested before I continued and I would sell like my samples like through through the store at that time and they were they were I guess like one-offs right because yeah you like just would have one of them or I mean, if I had a sample, I, I would maybe get it done in, like, different colors. But, yeah, they were, like, one-ofs because I was, like, just trying different things or I'd have to make small improvements or changes that I wanted to make. So 
yeah, they were like one of a kind at the time. That's awesome. Yeah. And did you find that the the reaction was like positive or like what sort of the feedback did you get from people? It was interesting because I would never tell anyone their mind. So if I saw someone looking, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, oh, like, what are they thinking? What are they saying? And like whenever I would sell them, it was like such a rush. So, I mean, people liked it. It was kind of a high price point, I guess, back then because it was like, I don't know who the brands were. Um, Rebecca Minkoff was also starting off then, so she's pretty big now. So we were kind of in the same price category, but it was like, are you going to spend three, like it's it was 300 US then for a clutch where a designer, I don't know how much then, was probably like 800. So it was hard to get, like figure out the placement in the market at right. the time right. with the prices. And I mean, it was expensive to make, so I needed to charge. To, yeah. yeah. That was as low as I could go. And sorry, and I forgot to ask. This was Caprice Bianca, right? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. This is Caprice Bianca. And what was your store called? I, I forgot. I didn't even. ask Oh, it was that. called Burke Black. My last name Burke. and her last oh, name. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. And where? How did you come up with Caprice Bianca? So I think what happened was I had my samples made and I needed to put them out. So I needed a name. So I was like, I I want my name, like AlyssaBlack.com. The dot com was taken by a porn star so I'm like, that's a no and I definitely wanted like something easy and like a dot com and I was going through and I'm like I can't just make up a name I couldn't think of like something like that was kind of generic and um my niece was born probably like right around the time and her name was Caprice Bianca I googled it and I'm like ah bonus available wait so her first name's Caprice and her last name no, her Bianca. middle name is Bianca oh okay oh that's so pretty yeah oh <laughs> so you named it after her yeah I named it after her that's amazing and so how old is she now because isn't she pissed that you have her uh Instagram <laughs> handle <laughs> she is 13 I actually just got yelled at the other day by my dad he's like don't you think it's time that you give her back her name i have the gmail i have the email i have no the hotmail. I had this poor girl cannot every, have an internet the twitter it. like everything that's so right? funny so i guess 13 i guess it's not like huge huge yet but like that's too funny she's she's caprice b bianca because <laughs> i have the caprice oh bianca. no yeah. <laughs> that's amazing um Okay, and so that's so cool. So you're, like, selling your bags and, and working at this store. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, are you thinking of, of going big? Like, what's your plan after that? So I think the whole goal at the time was, like, to tr- I needed to develop a collection because I needed to have, like, 12 pieces so I'm able to actually show stores or try to get now I needed to get into, like, a wholesale place so they could help me sell my collection so I developed my 12 bags like or whatever I don't know around 12 bag collection then and I was like trying to talk to showrooms and no one wants to sell no one wants to represent you because you have no history I'm like what am I going to say I sold like 10 bags in one store they want to know they want you to have press and everything but I'm like well it's like a double-edged sword like how do you get press if no one's selling yeah so what I would do like I I'm a complete introvert, so I'm not, like, outgoing. I'm not like, hey, like, this is these are my bags, and I really want to sell it. I wasn't, like I said, when someone went buy my bag, they never knew, ever, it was yeah. my bag. Um, so what I would do is I would take my sample, and I'd go into all, like, I had a list of my, like, the wish list stores I wanted to be in in L.A. So I'd go to the store, pretend like I'm just going to shop, carry my bag, and usually... 
they would ask me like where's your bag from because it wasn't like a, a recognizable design and i'd end up selling to them that way so what do you mean oh like you would say so at that time when they asked you would you say oh it's actually mine yeah at that time when they would ask about the bag then, then I would say oh yeah they're my designs I sell them and then would you like to carry them in your store yeah they, oh that's that, amazing when it would get to that point I would ask that's amazing that's a really good idea and and very crafty because sometimes or a lot of the time I think you have to do that when people aren't giving you a chance, right? Just like make your own 100%. opportunity. I think that I also learned because I would have like the drawings and like the line sheets with all the bags and um, I emailed, I remember emailing like over 100 stores my, you know, designs and stuff in the line sheets. Only one store replied to me. So no one, they just pass you by. So yeah. I was like, I got to do something. This definitely isn't working. No one's, they, they're like, I don't know this name. Like, I yeah, don't care yeah. about them, you know? Yeah. All it takes is one though. Yeah. So, and sorry, that was, uh, you said a wholesaler? Uh, no, that, I, stores. Oh, actual stores, 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 stores at the time, yeah. Uh, so how many stores did you end up being in? Eventually over a hundred. Wow. Yeah. And I got into Nordstrom, so that was, like, huge. That's unbelievable. Over how many years? It was quick. Really, like, within a year. What? Yeah. Okay, how the hell? Break this down. Just emailing people? Okay, so what happened was I got into all my wish list LA stores on my own. And then I was like, how do I? From from going and shopping yeah. and just. And it was, like, all off. the That's big amazing. stores, like, um, Kitson, Lisa Klein, there was a store, Blonde LA. There was a huge store, place at the time called Shop Intuition. So this is like like early, mid-2000s. And at the time, they were had all the people, like I said, like the Paris Hilton, it was Lindsay Lohan, Miley Cyrus. All the celebs would go to this place and then they'd have like a deal with the like paparazzis that to come take pictures of them leaving the place carrying mm. their store's brand to give them promotion. So it was like the Everyone best. Everyone was winning. Yeah. So I used to work with them like directly and I would design personalized bags. I did like baby. They ended up being called baby bags because people wanted them for the kids. It had like the name of the baby and then the birth date. So I ended up doing for like Nicole Richie, Angelina Jolie. Wow. Yeah. So I did. I had like some good celebrity following but again back then i needed press yeah and you don't know when you're gonna get it so it's not like searching online i literally had to buy the weekly magazines like us weekly in touch and i'd be flipping through them like yeah. hoping to see somebody yeah and then but where do you even put that after like you're, there's no instagram not yeah there's no instagram no online but it's like then you try to say, well, oh, you can bring that to like a store. Exactly. Ah, so see, you need I like see. people to say like, hey, you know, you need validation, I guess. Right, 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 right. So what do you mean when you said baby bags? Like they would be custom and have like the name in them and the birthday? Yeah. So that was like my favorite thing because it was the most creative. Um, I'll have to show you pictures later, but they would be like a big tote bag. And I ended up just doing one for myself for fun. Like it said Caprice Bianca. And I put my niece's birthday on it and I put like little stars and like different colors and I'd hand cut all the like applique on it and then it got pictured and that store wanted to sell them as baby bags but again there's no like way to order online unless someone comes in and says mm -hmm. 
there's no way to advertise unless it's in store and they're handwriting orders. So I used to just do it for mostly celebrities. And then through that, people would reach out to me. But yeah, they were just big custom totes with the name on it. That's awesome. And were you working directly with these celebrities or through the store? Through the store. I don't, I don't, I don't even think I met anyone ever that purchased or got my bag that I can remember. Nice. Yeah. That's still amazing though. Like such a crafty um, and very like smart way of doing things. Yeah. It's completely different back then too, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you have, that's what you're working with, right? Like mm-hmm. it's funny because it's easy now, but then at the same time it's almost harder because it is so easy. Like every, I feel like the barrier to entry is so low that whereas like back then, you know, I think you had an edge because of mm-hmm. what you were doing it seemed like. Yeah. Now it's like anyone not anyone can yeah. do it but it's no they like, can yeah, yeah. anyone can start on instagram and just yeah. start posting photos and then sure. people can you know mm-hmm. you can go follow angelina jolie right now if you wanted to and she might see you know sure. like yeah. it's just different reach um so you were in nordstrom and everything too and then uh what ended up happening so i was in nordstrom they did like a trial they call it i guess because you're new and they're just exploring um how your handbags are going to sell and i was in 10 stores and then for the next season, I was – so I had a showroom finally. They represented me. So then after L.A., like, I could only reach, you know, what any place I went to. But I can't reach the whole country. People come to the showroom to buy for the stores. So they had all the connections and contacts. Question for you. Are you still doing all of this with no visa? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I ended up getting a visa – not right away. I don't even remember the timeline, but I had another issue with the visa. So <laughs> I applied for, there's an E2 visa, which is an investor's visa. So yes. I was talking to an attorney back in Toronto because there's tons of Canadians in LA. They all like live in the same area who are like actors Okay, and everyone's dealing with the same issue you're not getting a visa when you're a struggling actor yeah it's like you're not, you're not making money anything. they're not giving yeah. it to you so it's like everyone was trying to get the same kind of visa it's like so i ended up getting trying to get the um investment visa but i came home to toronto and i used to leave my like all my american credit cards and everything and my license in la and just come with canadian stuff and when i went to cross back across the border they stopped me for secondary questioning and I was like started to freak out because do you know if it was just random or do you think you were flagged no I think I I think they were like well I know this has been a problem or it was a problem a lot if you're single they're like why right 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 so that was like a thing I think they were that yeah they are like looking for certain like characteristics that right people have that don't like LA through like two suitcases like yeah. no ties like real ties here you know except like I'm at the age probably where you want to work in LA and like it's that yeah. awkward Were you saying like I live with my boyfriend kind of thing? No like, no, no 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 I couldn't even mention boyfriend because that's really bad because then they know you're definitely not coming. Right. I never said I had a boyfriend right, in right, California right. like when he would come to Toronto we'd have to cross the border separately because there's no way I, they wouldn't let me go Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's actually I know like most of my friends at the time had been stopped at the border. And for they didn't even live there, but because they thought right, right. that they're going to Yeah, so I got stopped and it was the beginning like of the internet era, so I had presence online, but it wasn't like you didn't use it like we use it now. Yeah. 
And I didn't know at secondary questioning, he asked me something, and I guess, I don't know the name, I don't even remember, and he Googled. And I didn't know they could do that even then, or they do that. And he's like, why does it say on your handbag, like on your profile, that you live in LA and I'm like well it just sounds better to say LA yeah, in Toronto yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like so good. not prepared and he's like you're not he's like you're not going today I was like holy fuck and I it was like the worst week ever oh my god so did you and so you have your house and like all of your shit Everything in LA is there, like, and you're, now you're stuck in Toronto and did, like do you even have a home here I guess your well, parents well my parents I right. come stay with my family okay, when I come okay. visit but, but yeah nothing my of life I've been gone now probably for like seven years yeah. like in the US so my life is like a car like everything yeah everything everything yeah holy shit so how did you end up coming back or going back so I think my visa was in the process at the time but it didn't matter like they can't see that that's happening I talked to to the lawyer and I was like I'm gonna swim across like go to Detroit <laughs> I'm like I don't care how I get there as long as I'm there like you don't realize like what a big deal it is if you can never go back to the U.S. like yeah we, as Canadians we go there like constantly right so it's like huge I'm like well, now after vacation in Europe like I'm like yeah. start freaking out but um so my lawyer, we were waiting. We didn't know. They don't, you don't know exactly when your visa is going to come through. She, so wait, did the, did this guy just send you back to your parents in Toronto? And like, like literally, just I, I call. Like he's like, you're not flying today. I call my dad and I'm like, um, you need to come back and pick me up. Like they won't let me cross the border. And they Fuck. actually wrote on my passport. Like there was like a flag. Oh no. Yeah. And so then, how long were you like? Did you have to stay in Toronto? Until I you think could go it back? was. Only I want to say like it wasn't that long, but I was dealing with lawyer. Like I, I was like, what if I get denied? Like they really are not going to let me back in, and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, I want to say it was like only like a week and a half, and the lawyer ended up writing me a letter. She said, "Drive across with your parents." Yeah, that's so much. Better. And this is a letter saying that her visa is in the process. So when we crossed, we drove and. Um, I think my parents said they were coming with me so it would look less like suspicious i don't know like yeah, like yeah. i'm not i'm like i'm coming back um but did they even ask, like where'd you drive through buffalo or yeah, yeah buffalo so. and i flew from buffalo but my passport remember has the flag on oh, it oh shit yeah, yeah so they let they let me pass for i guess her letter helped yeah that's good yeah wait wasn't there a time or I, I could just be crazy wasn't there a time that you could drive into buffalo with just a, a license? license yeah there definitely was but i moved to to florida literally like a week after like september 11th like oh shit so oh, of course like, you're there like 2001 oh my god i I, I I remember like watching it i literally was leaving like that week and my my parents are like, are you sure? Like, it just seemed like you don't know what's going to happen. And they're like, are you sure you want to go? And then everything changed, like, right when I moved there. So they oh, made it shit. even harder, yeah. right? Yes. Damn. <laughs> so, okay, so you got to go back, thankfully. And then, like, were you freaking out about coming home ever again? Like, back no, to Toronto? No, my visa finally did come through. Oh, that's so, right, that's right. So, But there's, like, a lot of rules still. Like, uh, in my opinion, I kind of think, like, it's almost worse when you go through the system because then they're like they're watching you more like where yeah. if you're just a tourist nobody's you're just a tourist a shit, yeah. right but then now they're like why are you going there what are you doing there like a million questions plus you've also i'm assuming not paid taxes well i mean i had to for my business because i you could still set up the business the business right. is all set oh, up okay. legit 
both the businesses. It's just that I'm not allowed to operate it. Like, so you still paid taxes for your business? Yeah, for the business. Okay, that's good. That's good. Just not personal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So everything was a loss back then, anyways. I was reinvesting in the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, they honestly they make it really, really complicated and. Like, I was really there trying to, like, create a business. And, yeah. like, I was generating jobs. I was going to say, say that, that. That should be, like, the easiest one to get. Because if you're going to create jobs for Americans, then mm-hmm. it's, like, why the hell not? Yeah. It's just there's a lot of, like, again, gray areas about the whole thing. So it was, like, I you're told different things all the time, too. So you don't even know, like, what to do or what to believe or, yeah. like, what you're allowed to say. But still the border crossing for me is terrifying oh god yeah and then okay so tell me what after that so then i get into a showroom finally and they're like they have all like during whatever season like spring summer then they have all the stores from like so in la all the stores like there's like a a visible divide in the country so all those stores like on the west coast come to la to buy um and and like I said, I ended up getting into over like a hundred stores. So they Amazing. helped me get in. I was talking to Henry Bendel's at the time. I was going back and forth, oh. so I was really excited because I loved that store. I was talking to Bloomies in Saks near wow. the end. Um, Saks was really trying to like. They wanted it like, like made with suede inside, like my samples, but they wanted like to lowball me in the cost. And back then, I don't know if it's the same now. You have to pay. For your production. You don't get any money from... The department stores? Nothing. So it's kind of a risk. Like, if Saks pulls out... And even if there's a contract... They can't even place an order and then, like, fulfill the the minimum order on the contract? Like, that's such bullshit. Yeah, you're covering the cost. I mean, you would hope that companies like that won't pull out. But who's going to win, like, if we go to court? Like, yeah, I'm going to just drop out and I can't fight that. Anyways, so... It was then, it was the beginning of the economy started going all wonky, and I was like, it was going to be a huge investment because not only am I just fulfilling orders for boutiques, I was going to have to fulfill orders for like three department stores. And people were warning me about Bendel's at the time that they've been stealing designs. I'm like, why would they steal designs? Anyways, now everything that they sell is their design, so it makes sense that people were warning me they switched over, but... I was just like, I gotta, I guess I have to stop now. I remember my bags got into Nordstrom and I went to go see it. And at that time, like I said, the economy started going like sour. And I was like, all these designer bags, like Jimmy Choo and all these, I'm like, these bags are 50% off. How am I going to sell? Yeah. So I was like, this is not good. And so did you just like pack it up or like did it slowly... I kind of slowly fizzled out. I sell, sold off like my other inventory. I just didn't create, I couldn't create, I didn't want to create a new collection because you have like, I ended up having three showrooms, showroom LA, showroom New York, and then showroom Dallas. So now you're creating three sets of samples yeah. as well per season, which could be like, depends, like 12,000, 10,000 just for that sample for each you know, um, location. So it, it, right. it was like a big investment. And I was like, I didn't want to stop, but I saw like some of the like biggest designers and um, brands fold at the time. So I was like, how am I going to sustain myself if these brands who are like, have a big name and have the backing and have the reputation 
just stay around. I'm like, I don't, this is, not, this is not good. Yeah. So you just were like kind of spooked and then you're like, what was your mentality just like before you get into real trouble? Uh, yeah, that, but then I was kind of wanting to push it because I'm like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go back to Toronto. Yeah. What am I going to do? I can't get a job here now. I have no visa. Your visa is only good for your company. So, Wait, what do you mean you can't get a job so my, where? In the U.S. Because, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah my okay. visa is just for it's my just for brand. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, even, and then, yes, yeah, so you're saying you ha- would have to come home. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Toronto. I'm like, no, you could get a job wherever. Yeah, okay, <laughs> makes sense. And then also, I'm like, where am I going to work in Toronto? There's nowhere nowhere I want to work. Like, what, yeah. Holt Renfrew? I don't want to work for Holt Renfrew. Was there even a Holt at that time? Yeah, there, there was. was. But it was just like, it's just, again, like, now I'm selling to L.A. and celebrities, and I'm going to come here yeah, and it was just like really, really hard for me, and I just up. felt like lost and like. So, how did you eventually make that decision? Like, what was your? Did you just start selling off your inventory? And how long were you doing handbags for it total? Was, it was I don't know. I was in LA for five years, so basically, I started when I was there. I mean, it was like a while to get off the ground, like I said, with the samples and where to sell. So that was probably like eight months a year to start. So it was like a five year five-year thing wow that's really good in five years yeah so it was definitely again another learning experience and then as you say that the design I hated like the fashion design schooling came into like it really helped me when I went back to design because I I knew what to look for and what needed to be used in order to like construct like you know what increases the value or what makes it like a better bag or yeah. So that really helped, actually. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so funny. We're, like, bashing school, and right. then it comes later. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so sorry. I think I, I steered us off course for a sec. You just were, were saying, like, okay, like, whatever. Fuck it. I'm done. Or yeah. did you have a plan B? Or? No, zero plan. I was just, like... And did you know that you'd have to come back to Toronto? I was trying to avoid it, so I did. I'm, like, I have, like, a genius idea. I'm, like, I've dealt with all these legal issues like with dissolving the store with like my partner at the time and then just like the visa thing and I'm like I'm gonna go to law school like I was just like I wanted to stay in the U.S. so I'm like because it can't hurt right so then I was applying to law school after I'm like I'm going to law school (laughs) nice and could you with the type of undergrad that you had or I guess you don't need it in in California Um, can't you just oh no that's the bar so I think that you could no, not with the undergrad I had, I believe, but I think you could apply. I forget exactly. Maybe like there's like a mature student or a way to get in. To like if it. you have to have your undergrad, but you still apply as a mature student. I don't remember, but it wasn't, there was like some, you know, way to get around that. Right, right, I right. I mean, you have to go through all the testing and everything, but yeah. yeah. So that was my genius idea. And so you're like, I'm going to become a lawyer? Holy shit. That is like, and do you, I guess, well, you've had so many like conversations with lawyers at this point. Yes. Um, so did you end up doing it? I ended up, yeah, I ended up applying to school, but like, it's like, again, it's something new for me. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. And like, it's never been my passion. So I went to the law school in San Diego and, um, I did that for six months and I'm in it and like it it was definitely like a learning experience but as I'm in it I'm seeing all these people I'm surrounded by who this is their passion like fashion's my passion they've been wanting to be lawyers and I'm like I don't care about this that much like yeah sure it'd be a great thing to have but it's not something I really want to do and like then I started realizing again like I'm missing that creative outlet and I'd be like trying to dress like how like it to express myself creatively so I used to get not made fun of like I'm 
a grown woman. Yeah. But people would be like, oh, you're, you're like, like the fashionista. Yeah. Like legally blonde. Especially, oh my God. And because that movie was so yeah. huge at that time. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Especially I find um, in those like core sort of traditional um careers like finance law it's like god forbid you step out of like the traditional suit and people are, oh are coming god. at you with like yeah. all those chirps and stuff that's so funny yeah so i went to law school and then again in the middle i'm like what am i doing what the here fuck am I doing? and i'm like this is also i'm like do i want to continue it's super expensive like do i like one more semester you're spending a lot of money like i don't want to decide at the end of my next semester and then it's like you know more of an investment so then i started researching schools in europe (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing one sec okay so you start researching schools in europe so i'm like i'm gonna move to paris now so a big issue with the schooling there is it's french i don't think (laughs) duh it's paris (laughs) So I had to find um, an international school, if there was, and there was. There, you, yeah, I feel like I think Europe there is two cool. in Paris, um, but I just needed one that made sense for me. I didn't want to start from like zero again and build build like I didn't want to go to school for design or anything. So, so you've officially dropped out of law school. Oh yeah, is I was like scared okay. to tell like my parents, Anybody? hey guys. This is like another, I'm going to move to Paris now. Yeah. But I will say like I, the first thing I ever did was like drop out of college at 17 years old. So like for you to have done everything that you've done, start two businesses and be like as successful, I feel like you deserved like one, (laughs) you know, like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I mean, it didn't hurt, right? I learned from, of course, (laughs) I learned I don't want to do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You you crossed something off the list. (laughs) But, um. Yeah, so I was researching schools in Paris, and there was one that was like in um, a master's in international fashion business. So I'm like, perfect. perfect. So I applied, I got in, and I moved to Paris blindly. So all these places I'm moving, like I moved to Florida alone. I basically <laughs> moved to LA alone, and now I'm moving to Paris well, alone and like going to figure it all out when I go there. That's but, amazing. So you speak no French. Did you need to get a visa there? <laughs> You get, like, a student visa, but I knew... I think it's much easier, though. Yeah, it was easier, but the language is a problem. Yeah. Well, if you don't speak... For me. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I went to school there, and I was, like, in the beginning, I'm, like, really trying to study French, and I'm, like, I'm going to learn this, and, like, before school, like, started, I'm, like, practicing, and then I get to school. It's an international school, and I'm trying to use my little French, and everyone speaks to you in the English they know, and I soon figured out that they know more English than I know, know French. French. So, so I was just like, like fuck this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I learned nothing. <laughs> no French. That's amazing. But you can seriously get by. It's so funny. My husband, um, we went uh, to, we did like a European cruise for our honeymoon. Yeah. But his family's Italian and he, his parents speak fluent Italian and everything. And he always had this fear of going to Italy because he's like, I don't speak a word of Italian. And like, yeah. I'm like, I'm almost embarrassed. And I'm like, Babe, every single person in Italy, especially like the main cities, if you sure. go to like the little communities where his family's from, then no. Right. But I'm like, everyone speaks English. I'm like, you don't even don't even tell them you are Italian. Just say you're Canadian and yeah, like yeah. speak English. And yeah, it's he, we true. We got there and he's like, oh shit, like yeah. I mean, yeah, it's such an internet. I mean, now the world's like it's you could get by on pretty much just English in any major yeah, city for yeah, sure. Exactly. So, yeah. So, oh my god, now you're living in Paris, which is like arguably the fashion capital of the world, for which sure. is quite fitting. Yeah. Um and so how did this program go? So, 
I've soon learned that, like, the French just operate differently than the Canadian. Like, there's no concept of time or anything there. So I was like, I'm so used to, like, efficiency and I'm, like, always, like, to be on time. And, like, if someone says they're going to do something and they're just so, like, laid back. So the lifestyle adjustment was super hard for me. Not like I wanted to leave. It was just more frustrating and it's annoying. Um, And it's obviously a lot different when you start to live there then visiting like visiting it's all like glamorous yeah. and, blah, blah, blah. and then living there it's like oh my god this is like so frustrating and then like little things I'm like like I'm like there's no fucking outlet I can't in the bathrooms there and I'm like how do I dry my hair like just do, really yeah, oh I think for god. safety reasons oh that's actually pretty smart yeah it is actually pretty smart we're in a dumb <laughs> it's life. actually really dangerous <laughs> now that I think about it, there's water everywhere but it's just like little things that like that piss you off yeah my yeah. friends like make sure you ask for that there's heating in the apartment I'm like what isn't you- that like automatic yeah, yeah so it's just things we would think of that like I would never use the elevator because I was scared it was like the size they're of the coffin. small I, I lived there's... on the fourth floor I literally took the stairs oh that's reasonable like, I think I would probably too. 98% of the time I was scared um yeah they're tiny yeah so anyways I ended up going to school there for a year and at the end of my year again I'm like I don't want to leave but again what am I going to do in Toronto now and um I ended up working at the school teaching oh at the school for a year that's amazing. Yeah. Did you have to learn French? No, because oh, it was all international. Yeah, it was right, all right, international. Right, right. So, and you graduated with what? A fashion and international business? So it's um, blah, it's blah, not blah, blah, international blah. business. It was like the masters of fashion business. Oh, okay. Yeah. And plus, you're like definitely qualified having done that. You're like ran the businesses. Yeah. Uh, yourself, anyway. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then you did that for a year, and then you, what? You came home, or and, I actually and had you to finally go home. got home. Oh <laughs> Why did you come home? You didn't want to continue there. I I thought like again, it wasn't like it's just so different for for me. It was different living there. A lot of the people I went to school with, even the Europeans, had problems adjusting there. Like I loved it, but it's hard to. I guess go there and like kind of start later in life you yeah. know when you're like maybe if you're like just out of high school and again I didn't speak French so I couldn't apply for like really anything any outside jobs. of the school yeah. yeah which was frustrating like and it was stupid on my behalf that I didn't take advantage of that but I don't know I don't know if I would like it would be cool obviously to work for one of the big fashion houses but I remember talking to some girl who was French who worked for well there's two one work for Chloe and one work for Givenchy and they made like they had good jobs. They made like thirty five thousand euros. You can't live in Paris, like stop. And so, what's that like sixty thousand Canadian or something? Not or? even. It's probably like well, I don't know what it was at the time, like forty five ish. But oh like it's God. more expensive there than here. So wow. it's like, I mean, pretty much any job in fashion, you don't really go into it for the money. Yeah. You have to definitely yeah. be passionate about it because unless you like really hit like a market or a niche that you know you could conquer fashion world is not great right financially yeah so yeah uh so then you finally were like okay i'll go back to toronto and then oh my god how long how many years were you out of here like 10 years 12 12 12 years i came back kicking and screaming oh my god i think anyone would (laughs) yeah and were you just like like i guess you stayed with your parents for a bit until you got like yeah i stayed with them because i was like i was like i'm not gonna make any real effort i still like trying to figure out like maybe it could go back to the u.s but what am i going to do but like again it's to start off with you can't just go work there that's yeah. the issue it's not so easy um and i was just like i didn't know what i was going to do 
and that was like the big struggle like I had no real desire to do like there was no dream job here for me yeah that I yeah. could think of I started looking to maybe teach at the school I went to here and I was just like I didn't know and um one of my best friends contacted me and said that one of her best friends has like a consignment boutique that sells like like kind of like pre-owned or gently used luxury goods why don't you work with her she does like a lot of styling so I was like okay maybe this is my next opportunity and then you know where where um led to next so i start i worked with her for about a year and a half oh nice is it still around like what was it called Do you yeah know? it's called the style heiress she had um a spot on Tycos, so in the wholesale district like by orifice road kind oh, of okay okay by yorkdale um yeah she did that we had that store which was super fun because a lot of people would come in for styling so i got to actually style clients and stuff and then you're around like people buy stuff don't want it and they bring back like brand new designer stuff and it's like so it's like a bad environment but a good environment to be around so it was like really fun like that you got to meet a lot of interesting people so I liked that I had that like experience like hands-on and then she ended up closing the store and we both ended up going to work for Nordstrom as a personal stylist both oh amazing separate locations but yeah that's so cool that you both ended up like that's amazing yeah and what was that like well I think that probably along the way if I was like ever to have kind of like a dream job besides being like a Rachel Zoe um I would probably say I'd want to work for like Neiman's or Nordstrom or Saks as a personal stylist and I was super excited to start and it seemed like fun and again I am not like a salesperson. I hate selling. I never wanted to sell my bags. I never did it like at any of the trade shows. It's just not my thing. Um, so for me, I want to work and I want to work with people and style. But like I forget, it's still like a retail. They want to they want make, to make money. fucking money. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm just like happy to like help the client. And then in the beginning, like I said, it was fun. But then they start pressuring you. Mm, hit quotas and shit. And then it's just like, I mean, I don't know how bad they can speak of them. But like... um their return policy is really good for the customer. Like, pretty much you could return anything there, worn, used. Yeah. Oh, for, yes. No, no like, receipt. Yeah, no receipt, no time frame. So the longer you work there, the the lot like the larger amounts of returns you're getting. Yeah. And there'd be days like I'd have great clients, great sales, and I'd go look at my numbers and I'm minus, and I'm like, holy fuck, I just busted my ass, and now I'm like, I'm like, I just want to go home. What am I going to sell now? Like a pair of shoes? Yeah, yeah. So it just became like. When it became, like, less... um, Yeah, it was more about, like... It was less about fashion now for me, and it wasn't, like, just about, like, reaching numbers and goals. And I was like, this is the not the right environment for me. And then I was like, I'm going to do it on my own. Because, you know, I started building up a clientele, so I'm going to say... Right, and so you had a list of people, I guess, and clients that you could sort of contact. Could you do that, or...? Yeah, because it's, like, mostly... It's all I was communicating with them, like, through most of it I want to say was through Instagram because I post a lot on there of like what we had and people would contact me about other things and I'm like I don't believe people should shop at one store like I want to be able to be like you could go to Zara or H&M you don't have to buy everything you know so nice and so are you total and so that brings us to like is that today ish like are you totally freelance so I am freelance but I'm really my thing I'm trying to do now and I kind of keep it hush hush which it's not going to be is that 
I learned through this whole process with Instagram and stuff, I feel like people in my industry, everyone's posting themselves like, oh, here's my outfit of the day. How cute am I? But there's a real problem I, I realized being a stylist that some people don't really know how to execute looks. Like people will say, oh, you could wear that, but I can't yeah. wear that. So I ch- began to like create like this group on Facebook. So I called it Discover Your Personal Style. And it's more about teaching people how to style. Like one of the big things I was saying is like, don't go out and spend money, start in your closet and repurpose things and wear them differently. And you'll all of a sudden you'll have like, you know, like a whole new look. And people would try the try these things I'd suggest. And they're like, oh my God, like I'm not trying to sell, don't go out and buy like this designer thing or like I'm endorsing this product. I never wanted it to be like that. I want to be able to teach people actually how, like don't copy me. Yeah, sure, you could seek inspiration from other people. We all do that. So I wanted to give people the tools to be able to go out there and be able to learn like what do I need to know to be able to walk in the store, feel confident, and be able to dress for myself. That's amazing. Yeah. And so what were you doing within that group? Like just giving advice? Yeah. So I try to like give advice without like, again, a lot of it comes from like, they don't know where to begin or like they don't have the eye. So I'm, yeah, I'm giving advice, telling them how to do things. And like, again, don't, I'm not saying go buy certain things. Like, you know, if you take certain things or like all you have to do to change your look, like it'd be like, try and talk to you. And people would be like, this is like groundbreaking information. And I'm like, <laughs> And I didn't realize that the way I was talking about, yeah, fashion, I need to communicate differently with people who want to like learn how to develop these skills and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been another learning experience, but that's like the new like avenue I want to take. And I want to be able to develop a course to be able to teach people how to do it for themselves. Yeah. That's awesome. And are you getting clients like out of this group or is it just more to like build up an audience right now from the group I am not getting clients it's like people come to me for advice but I I mean there's only so much I could get but I still do have personal clients that I do work with like for styling and stuff and are you are you almost exclusively personal or do you do any like commercial work um I've had people ask me honestly for me right now it's not worth the headache like someone asked me just recently to do a video but they don't realize like the work that's involved before like it's meeting the people like the person like three times back and forth and like going to get the thing and then yeah returning the items and so i just really don't want to do that i'd rather work one-on-one right now so it's not as rewarding for me either it's like more a hustle like obviously if it was a big big yeah (laughs) like vogue shoot or something like like i'd love to be on but i mean yeah it's just not something i've done that way in the past before but it's not kind of like my what I'm interested in. Yeah. I find with a lot of stylists, they're like either one or the other. Like I don't really know any that genuinely enjoy doing both, like both personal and commercial. Right. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. So you just like, you prefer like the one-on-one. I feel like you genuinely, genuinely really enjoy like helping people, which is very rare because a lot of people, they say that or they think they are like that. But then at the end of the day, they're like, eh. like, you know what I mean? But it sounds like you really want to help people elevate just the word because it, it can change so much yeah it, it's like again it's interesting when you when I started looking at Insta, Instagram differently and all the people I follow I'm like and again everyone's like promoting or like this is my outfit of the day and I mean Instagram's kind of different because people are just swiping through quickly they're not really like reading or paying attention but I'm trying to tell people like teach them 
like people are showing who cares what I'm wearing like how do you wear the similar style but without copying me so I'm trying to teach them exactly how to develop their style based on like their likes and lifestyle and needs like you have to be realistic too so it's just talking to the audience differently I'm really trying to learn from them so I could do that and I mean so far it's been it's really been interesting because I've never had to describe styling because usually yeah. you just do it for someone, right? Or it just is coming out of you and you I don't ne- even... Yeah, my friend would be like, explain mixing patterns. I'm like, I don't... I see it and I mix it. And she's like, no, explain. And I'm like, I can't. And I started talking about my process, which is like you never really consciously think of how you get dressed. Yeah. What is a... a, a like, you use the example of mixing patterns. What is like an example for how you think about mixing patterns? So... When I finally broke it down, I would say, like, start with something, like, neutrals, like an animal print, like a leopard. They're neutral colors. They go pretty much with everything. And then based on that, you can choose a complementary pattern. So maybe it would be in, in like, let's say a plaid or a floral in, like, brighter colors. So the brighter colors will complement the neutral colors. So people are scared because it's obviously bold, but just consider... I like to say the leopard's like a neutral. It's like white, black, so right, gr- metallic. Yeah. So pretty much anything with a, a like a neutral animal print pattern will work. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And so, okay, so we're like present day now, right? Yeah. So you're, <laughs> Finally, you're yeah. working. No, it was so interesting. I loved listening to, to everything that you've been through. Um, and so you're working on developing this course, which is really cool. Sorry that we sort of like... <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alerted it it's okay um but maybe like who knows someone will reach out to you perhaps and like help you do that or whatever I feel like you're so um good at figuring out the way and I feel like you're going to do that again with this thank you um and then any other like fun surprises that are happening this year not not anything currently I'm really really trying to develop this course like again I hate I'm like not a tech person and everything still feels new for me like figuring all that out so it's like the creative part yay it's great and then it's like now I have to edit or whatever so um I kind of just have like again it's my focus is on developing this course I'll continue with my clients for now but I really really want to be able to reach like more people and to be able to share like fashion and styling and let people know that it is possible like I have a few people that I've worked with who were really like hate to say sorry if you're listening clueless and they'll even say like I can never ever do that and be intimidating getting intimidated getting dressed or going shopping and now they've actually like they're able to do that so I'm like I know I can teach someone how to do it based on that so it it gives me like like hope and I'm excited about being able to teach more people that amazing I know you'll do it I know you'll do it (laughs) thank you um okay I want to ask about your favorite footwear the shoes that you brought today they're amazing and everyone listening uh can obviously go on Instagram and check them out but why did you bring them why do you like them so basically I mean I've always had like not always but like in my elder years I switched from like heels to sneakers and I just like I have an obsession with like bright colors and like luxury brand sneakers were kind of like boring and then Chanel put out like a neon collection and I saw it it was in Florida and I had to like go on the hunt to get these shoes and I just feel for me again like I love the bright colors and I feel like with sneakers now like you can wear anything 
no matter how dressy it is, mm-hmm. and the sneakers make your outfit. So I'm all about that kind of thing. So I try to find the best sneakers that I can wear, like almost anywhere. Amazing. And where'd you end up finding them? I think I think I ended up ordering them online. They came from like, like from Chanel, from Saks. Oh, okay. They had a mark on it. I was like pissed off. Then I went to like try. I was calling around like a mad woman. Like I couldn't sleep, and I had to go and like switch them out. Like at another Saks, like I drove forty five minutes <laughs> to go get them. But hey, I would do that too. And then yeah, the thing was like I'm like okay, this is it. This is my last pair. And then they had like they reached someone. One of the salesperson reached out to me, and there was like three other neons that came out i'm like stop did you get them <laughs> i but love you time, i love like, you i love you, you know, this is favorite. the last honestly I, we share so much uh similarity in neon like i feel oh, like I you it. either like love it or hate like so everyone's like oh my god everything you wear is neon i fucking love neon oh my god That's right like a lot to, to do with why i love your sneakers thank you um but they also are just like so nice but it's like how can you know i feel like okay this is crazy to say but i feel like neon can also sometimes be a neutral like yeah. weirdly enough like i don't know and also i'm kind of like a total like 80s chick so it has like that reeboky yeah kind of like uh workout well, i don't even know 20 minute workout vibe but like in a modern totally more. so i like that it kind of had that combo so it really like i feel represents me and my style so i was like i need these shoes now in my life so yeah and you styled them beautifully today they look amazing thank you um okay and before i let you go what's one piece of advice you could give somebody who's walking a similar path to yours so i would definitely say that if you're not like in the you know want to follow the traditional footsteps that people think that you're supposed to take i think you should just continue follow your dreams believe in yourself because you're always going to have that in your back of your mind and i think you'll never know until you do it and i think if you have the passion for something that you'll you'll get through it and you'll figure it out along the way and in the end it's a learning experience and who knows where you may end up like I never thought I'd be where I am today so I'd say just continue and pursue your passion for sure amazing thank you so so much for coming on your story was incredible um thanks for having me I absolutely loved 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 hearing about it uh for everybody listening you guys can follow Alyssa on Instagram at Caprice Bianca so it's uh C-A-P-R-I-C-E-B-I-A-N-C-A correct um your poor niece no I'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) and if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts and if you like the podcast if you could give it a five-star review that would be very very nice I would appreciate it so much um so yep that's it I'll talk to you guys next week and uh don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers